So we are here with Rebecca Katz, the top strategist for the Cynthia Nixon for Governor campaign. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So before we dig into lots of the details, what's your minute or two recap of how the campaign went and why you didn't topple the governor? Um, I think the governor was very hard to be to be toppled in the first place. I think that um, what we saw at the beginning of this is there are not many Democrats who were willing to take him on. Like there were many Democrats who behind closed doors would say all the things he was doing wrong and how they were frustrated and how um, how much of a bully he was. But there was there were very few people who would step forward and and say it you know in front of the cameras. And when I look back to see Cynthia's early decisions. It, it was about standing up to a bully. And so she said, Let, you know, let's do it. It was always a very hard uh, slog through, and we knew it would be, but it was it was about trying to actually call out some of the things and, and move the party, the whole party, to the left, which she did. What do you think uh, were your chances at the beginning? Like, what was her assessment of, did you think victory was possible? Was there a path? We always said there was a very narrow path. Um, a lot of things had to fall into place. I, uh, money, um, frankly, was our hardest, um, the biggest obstacle. You know, we, we always knew we wouldn't have a lot of money. I was shocked, even when I, like, hosted a fundraiser for Cynthia, how my political friends are like, I love her. I cannot give her money. I cannot have my name in giving her donations. They'll come after me. And um, and so it was just we had to start a whole new start from literally zero there was you know to, to raise money and that was that was really tricky and we weren't taking any corporate money so you know Cuomo would get these where he would just have five friends and all of a sudden he had a hundred grand where it would take us you know months to do that we had more donors but our donors would donate like a swipe for a subway so you know not twenty twenty-one thousand dollars so it was it was very hard and it was always the issue and then especially at the very and um, we just got bombarded. You know, like our path had always, we, we very much kept our heads down, focused on, you know, door knocks and phone calls and texts and really tried to expand our electorate. And at the end of the day, we did. It just, you know, paled in comparison to how they could just go on TV, have Joe Biden say whatever he's going to say, have, you know, the mailers go out. And we, we just couldn't compete with that. Was there a point at which you knew it was not winnable? Like, was there, was there a particular moment? I mean, I guess the flip would be like, was there ever a point? that we thought it could be winnable, right? I mean, I think it, we were always, our first poll, we were at 19 and we never did that much better than that. I mean, I think there were obviously some some great, good little like, boost for us. There was when Ocasio won, that was that was a big deal for us. When, um, I mean, honestly, right before Ocasio won, Cynthia called out ICE not only to abolish it, but she actually called ICE terrorists. And while that made national news, there were so many, you know, members of the, the base who just really got excited for her and just someone who could actually like speak truth to power. Um, so we had something going that was like the Thursday before the Tuesday of the Ocasio win. So we thought something was, was happening for a few weeks. We felt really good. And then again, another one of those public polls that just, bleh, you know, the, the um, was a little bit depressing, um, and then honestly, there were there's also um, there was every time Cuomo spoke, he would say something crazy, um, and when he got in knots over the America isn't that great, it just seemed like he was. It was just like a, a mess of a, a cleanup, and we thought there was something there. And then she she went into the debate, and what was so interesting, I thought about the debate, 
was that all the Albany reporters who had seen Cuomo forever was like, oh, she didn't get a knockout punch. It's over. You know, like she 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 didn't get her chance. And then everyone who was seeing it for the first time is like, this is Cuomo. This is how he talks to people. He's terrible. You know, and so we had this weird outside in thing where where the Cuomo campaign, I think, won the room. But we had, you know, cut up the videos, had these moments that were going out online that were like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people were seeing every single like good clip of hers and some some we put out and some that were organic and we felt there was real movement and then she went from the debate up to the state fair and we just like you know upstate and she was just over full crowds people loved her so we're like is something happening here and then we got another poll and we're like nope nothing's happening here <laughs> and so you you did sort of see that those polls you 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 took them as signs that things were not moving the way you thought i mean there was this discussion well, we about did, where the yeah. polls really kept So I always, the polls were always off. You know, like, I think we always did about... 10 to 15 points better than a lot of the poll. And I think the last poll, we we outperformed by 12 points or something. But the problem with the polls is it, it was almost it was almost like they were coordinated to hurt us at the exact right times, you know, um, in terms of when they would come out. Uh, there was never one that came right after the Ocasio bump. It came out many weeks later. But there was one that came out right after the Democratic convention. Or there was, you know, like when he was doing the America was never that great. There was never a poll that came out then. You know, there wasn't a poll right after the debate. So there were things that were happening that the polls almost we never got to have a good you know money-making moment from a poll as in the poll show things tightening and then yeah. you can say we're closing in right. and you can make him sweat right. even more and right. the narrative and the media changes that type of thing Exa- i mean it's it's a terrible cycle that these polls do especially if they're not if they don't have their finger on the electorate and, and they're off that they just they you know the, the new york times will do a story off of any public poll so you will get 550 words in the times no matter what happens about a poll no matter how inaccurate it is um and that you know that's that's buzzy so so it's, it's hard for us to compete with that. And then, of course, money. Like, good polls mean good money. People think they have a shot. Um, they give more. And so we always had very, ex- like, excited donors. But, again, they were only giving a few bucks. Just one more quickly on the, on the, on the path to victory type thing. Mm-hmm. Did you... Going into the campaign, did you think we have to sort of expand the electorate, do everything we can to be in a position where if something really goes wrong for him, we can seize on it? Yeah. I mean, was that yeah. a little bit of the a thinking, the corruption I mean, trials? The... I mean, the, the trials, you know, we got Cynthia announced right after the Prococo verdict. And what was so interesting about that is it was talk about barely a ripple. You know, like that was that it wasn't even the wood, of, you know, of either tabloid. It made the front page of The Times a little bit. You know, if you like, I think it was like below the full, you know, just a little like no, no art. Um, and it was, it was terrible. I mean, it was his top aide going to jail, having like done all this legal stuff next to his physical office. And for us that that didn't, you know, de Blasio going to the gym would be front page news, but that's, but this like the top aide going to jail wasn't. And I think we thought like the only way that the stuff would get covered is if someone actually called it out. And that's what we did. So you talked about the difficulties raising money and obviously mm-hmm. the kind of pressures that puts a campaign on. People think about the TV ads and we can talk about that. But mm-hmm. I'm curious, just in terms of candidate time and like ge- the geography of it, how did your strategy figure out or try to figure out the city versus attempting to build some sort of a base upstate, tap into some of the resentment up there? How did you, because it's a huge state, so right. how do you figure out how to I mean, the, the time? upstate was always very good to us. We would go up there and it was open, like open arms, you know, the city was, you know, looking at the map, 
looking at what was hard for Zephyr um, four years ago, we always believed that Cynthia could use celebrity for good in the city in a way that was different um, than the, you know, we could actually get covered in New York City, which is a hard thing to do. So we, we spent a lot of time deciding we're going we're gonna to go into the city. We're going to talk about the subways because that is, you know, over half of the state's population, you know, population is in the cities, especially if you're looking at the Democratic electorate. And, um, and we want, you know, we were in the city a lot. I would say, I mean, upstate was pretty good for us. There were like Cuomo cronies in Buffalo that like if we tried to do an event up there, there was there was always like issues. So it would have to be like in a private space somewhere where they couldn't interfere. But it was just. Um, but you didn't do uh, as well upstate as as Teach Out did in 2014. Percentage right, I mean, wise. because you concentrated right, on the city. Right. I mean, Teach Out spent her whole campaign upstate because she could get covered upstate. And she really she spent months and months every day all over the state in a way that we would, you know, pop, pop in, do, and we, I mean, we went a lot, but it was just, it was not, it was not every day. I mean, it was, you know, we did, you know, every other week, three days or something, you know what I, and, but we tried to hit key regions. I mean, we were, we, we were in Buffalo, I would say more than the governor was in Buffalo. We went to, and Rochester, uh, I mean, and we had some great stuff in, in Ithaca too. And Utica, there was, when we went there, a line around the corner, and then we could, you know, talk about where upstate begins, but um, in Newburgh, you know, there was a huge turnout for her. You know, there was just a lot of, there was a lot of excitement and curiosity around her candidacy. In terms of the policy talk, you know, the mm-hmm. old adage is good campaigns are about two things and great campaigns are about only one. I don't know if that's true or not, but obviously that she started running with the, the MTA as mm-hmm. her sort of linchpin mm-hmm. issue. Um, and then other issues came to the fore, the universal rent control, mm-hmm. uh, talking about juvenile justice, talking about ICE. Was that a decision to expand the policy conversation because the MTA wasn't getting traction? Was there ever no. talk about just like hammering MTA every I day? I mean, yes. So we we did hammer MTA. I mean, we hammered MTA every day, every week. You know, Cuomo's MTA was often trending. We did a whole video just on the subways. I mean, we spent a lot of time on that. But people want to know, like, what do you stand for? And I think, um, especially with a first-time candidate, we the onus was on us to create a whole lot of policy so she would have deep policy knowledge, you know? So it was like we had policy positions on everything because we had to. And I think for whether you were talking about you know, Medicare for all, or you're talking about, um, you know, a real justice platform that talked about, you know, you know, cash bail and things like, you know, like we um, abolishing cash bail and, and, and really just talking about the justice system and talking about systematic racism. That was a key part of her candidacy. It wasn't, it wasn't to divert from the subway. It was in addition to, you know, there are so many issues we need to focus on. And did the subway just not break through with enough people? I mean, we needed money. Like, if we had run, like, ads, like, I mean, she won being the governor of Twitter, right? But, like, the problem was you had to reach a whole other block of people. And if you look, when the numbers come through of, like, the voting age, I mean, you can see, like, the younger you are, you know, I mean, we won under 30. I'm sure, you know, probably under 42. But you get to, like, 55, and it's just, like, jumping off a cliff. You know, it was just the people who were home watching TV were bombarded by Cuomo ads, and we could not compete with that. And we could not get the message across that he controls the subway. Even on Monday, which was the first, I would say, terrible subway day since the campaign ended. Like, already I could see, like, people were not talking about the governor anymore. And I was like, you know, like, it was, I was like, there's no Cuomo's MTA. It's just everybody just, you know, crapping on the subway again. You know, like, it, it really, you know, if 
this should be his legacy. He should take responsibility for it. And he somehow is getting off the hook. Like people think, well, you know, I can't get to work on time and I might get fired, but at least Andrew Cuomo is going to protect me from from Donald Trump. You know, and that seems to be the takeaway from the election. And you also, I mean, it seems like one of the goals was to break through among voters of color. Mm-hmm. A lot of time in Brooklyn, central Brooklyn, mm-hmm. that's where the campaign launched. Um, you know, even a lot of these upstate cities are not mm-hmm. just, you know, white progressives, although right. some of them are heavy on, on those. Um, and it doesn't seem like that was successful. I would I would actually push back. I think Please. with young millennials of color, it was successful. I think we did reach them. And I think we made a concerted effort to, like, go to their doors and talk to them and get them out to, to vote. And they did. Right. I mean, they didn't come in as numbers as much as people who were older, but they definitely they definitely showed up for Cynthia and they were excited by Cynthia. Um, what was interesting about upstate is there's a real, I would say, racism in New York State when you talk about upstate that we would post pictures of her in Buffalo with people of color and people would say, how come you're never upstate? Huh. And it's just like, and there's this view of people upstate in the city, especially where they think, oh, they're like farmers or, you know what I mean? Like that like upstate is actually incredibly diverse as well. No, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse. And, um, and it was, it was just, and we did go, you know, we did try, um, in, in the cities and, you know, urban areas for communities of color. It was, it was hard, but we, we went for it. You know, what was your sense of why there's strong, there's such strong support for Cuomo in those communities? I mean, his name, the Mario Cuomo name is gold. And I think that people, I mean, that there, there's a reason he rushed to open a bridge after his father, you know, named after his father before election day. And it's because the more he could convince people that he was Mario's son, the more goodwill he had. And that, that was evident all over the place. You could always tell when they got a pullback because all of a sudden they would like use Mario's name again and again and again. And then like an internal poll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've worked with a lot of different candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, assess Cynthia Nixon's sort of strengths and weaknesses as a candidate as, as coolly and objectively as you can. Okay. Okay. So Cynthia was a joy to work for. She was absolutely just wonderful to all of us. And I think her staff just adored her in a way that you don't see that much with candidates because she she is lovely you know um she is also very intelligent and um nowhere was this more evident than policy she got very into the policy very into the weeds um and really and really like absorbed in a way that I've never seen of any official um and she always knew that there was a certain gotcha to it that so she always wanted to know more stats and I was always like they're never going to ask you this they're never going to ask you this and then after the Daily News Edward she's like see I told you um when that they, was where yeah, they asked her about the high they asked the her, um, income tax rate in her defense they asked her a hundred million questions and that was the one thing she didn't know so that's what they off the top of her head she did know it she just but I can argue that in a <laughs> but um she she actually um she answered a ton of other questions they just didn't leave with those so my point is that she always knew that there was there was this burden on her and um but it was something that she was actually very good at and I think it was hard as a staff with the the Cuomo the Cuomo staffers like mocking of her as just an actress and the way that they um looked down on her just because she's someone who had great success in the arts I think was a very hard thing for those of us who actually loved her and respected her because it was just so far off base. And that was a caricature that lasted, you know, this actress thing. And and the thing about Cynthia is she is someone who has been in the public eye for 40 years, um, worked harder than anybody and succeeded at the highest levels. And they just couldn't, it, it was just, there was just always this like, oh, oh, 
like a condescending tone about just because she's not from the political sphere. So that was, I mean, so that was hard. Um, we also, I, I don't know, I mean, she spent a lot of time having to raise money. Like, call time was a huge part of our campaign and prep time in a way, like, because she didn't know some of the, you know, she doesn't know, like, the, you know, where, what area you're going into in terms of who represents it, what the history, you know, there was a lot of this. And I think as a campaign, it was also hard for us when people said, like, oh, she's not working that hard, when she would be having 15-hour days, seven days a week, because you just wasn't in front of the camera the whole time. We had to prepare a lot. And I think call time was not fun. It was just a lot, a lot of calls. And weaknesses? <laughs> um, weaknesses is that she just had, it's interesting. So she's not a political junkie, right? Everybody I've ever worked for loves politics, loves to talk politics, loves to you know talk palace intrigue, loves to go back and forth. And Cynthia had no interest in the behind the scenes stuff, right? And it's hard because you want you want your candidate to like get in it with you and talk about stuff. And she's like, yeah, that's, you know, like, let's talk more about, you know, I don't know, what, whatever. Exactly. And so so it was hard because it was always like you wanted to tell her all the background of everybody. And she just had no interest in, in that kind of stuff. Um, I would say it's it's. I mean, she worked harder than anyone. You know, it's so the weaknesses I think is just not having. It's it's not not knowing the policy. It's not knowing the some of the politics. I think was challenging for her. So that goes to a question, which is the question that kept coming up, and you had mm-hmm. to know it was coming up, was the question about experience. Mm-hmm. Her experience. Do you feel like you ever ad- she ever adequately answered that? Um, so I have a couple of theories here. One, I do think she um, adequately answered it sometimes, but at the end of the day, she never had the experience that people, that older folks wanted, right? I mean, she had, it wasn't like she was going to answer the question a different time, one time by saying, oh, actually, there's this 10,000 person company I I run, you know, like she was never going to have that answer. And I think that was, especially when you get to Ed Board's um, that was always going to be in her way. But um, in her defense, in the debate, it was like her first question. And I think that if it had been her third question, she would have answered it better. But it's always like, you know, it was, I think the debate was actually really hard. It was one of our, you know, as a campaign, one of our proudest moments, just because, I mean, she wasn't even in mock debate in high school. You know, she had to learn something completely new, be on a stage, and she was, she was amazing. So just out of curiosity in that debate prep, uh, how'd you get her ready? I mean, what, what were some of the keys? It was a lot of hours. I mean, that was August, frankly. It was um, uh, Ed Board prep and, and debate prep and just going through everything. And, I mean, she knew she knew it. She knew everything. But she's someone who, because she likes to be so prepared, wore us down. Um, I actually... Um, set my family on vacation without me and it was and just I was with her like it was it was 18 hours a day for that last which is I mean she was just like ask me more questions and I'm like I don't want to ask any more questions I want to go home and go to sleep you know but it was um she was she was very very focused on the debate and she it was did you show her any videos past debates yeah she she saw past debates I mean we weren't just studying the Cuomo film we were also looking at the Marsha Kramer film you know what I mean and like getting her ready and seeing how you know one how of the it's, debate moderators yes one of the debate moderators so just kind of seeing how it worked but the whole setting was so weird you know we were at desks like they couldn't 
talk beforehand. There was no walking on stage. They had to just sit there and wait. So it was very much, it felt like a Cuomo press conference. So. And she wasn't quite ready for the question about whether she'd give up her salary. We did not prep on that question. <laughs> she seemed very surprised by that yes, one. Yes, I know. But I, I thought it was, she, she we, we talked a lot about it after. It's funny in terms of that, the burden on people who, like, how hard it is to run for office and we should be make it, making it a place where more people uh, could do it. And you can't do that if it's only rich people who reject salaries. <laughs> did you or she have any moments of saying, okay, you know, on this experience question, we don't have a great answer for this. Let's really push back harder, you know? I mean, I mean, we did. I mean, if you think about it, we talked about what kind of experience people want. Do you want people experience of running the MTA into the ground? Do you want the experience of, you know, spending a billion dollars in, ups, in money for upstate that actually doesn't go to people? Because if you want that kind of experience, you have Andrew Cuomo. So we, I mean, she did talk about that no, a lot. No, she gave those. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's, it was what, like, there was, there was a willingness from, from younger voters to say, this isn't the experience I want. I want Cynthia. And from older voters, it was just like, well, he's experienced and that, that trumped all. And he hammered that. I mean, he saw the numbers. They hammered that hard. So it probably wouldn't have made a difference to the outcome, but just from a, as a, a veteran strategist looking back, are there any things you would have done differently just because it, it in retrospect, would have been a better thing to do? Any moves or, or steps? Um... I think how we rolled out her being a democratic socialist was a little rough, and um, it, I won't go into the staff mechanics of how that happened, um, but it was something that was true to her, and that I I would have liked a longer conversation for her to articulate instead of like a political headline that said Cynthia Nixon, yes, I am a democratic socialist, you know, the day of the vote. So that was something that I wish we could have had more time to explain to people. Um, um, in a way that didn't seem so scary to a lot of voters. Um, and, you know, I, in retrospect, probably wouldn't have sat for all those ed boards. Um, we, we believed that once she got in the room and she held her own, that even if they were going to do a non like we didn't necessarily think we were going to get endorsements, but we did think we were going to get more paragraphs of support in terms of her smarts and her seriousness. And what we found is that before she even walked in the room, a lot of Edwards had already made up their mind. And I think that was hard for us. I mean, that was definitely hard for me because if you look at what Edwards care about, what their core issues are, and you look at how Andrew Cuomo has run the government, it's a pretty hard pill to swallow that they would endorse him. Before, um, well, I guess before I was going to ask you what you what you feel like you really accomplished. But before we get to that, on that question of things that could have gone differently, maybe this is not a decision you made, um, but de Blasio endorsement, could that have made a difference? Um, you I know, mean, obviously, we should, right. of course, mention that you, you I used to work for Bill de Blasio helped as well, get him yes. elected and work, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there was way too much focus on the de Blasio endorsement. Like, I... It's Andrew Cuomo's power is a very real thing. And the fact of the matter is Cynthia would never want to put Bill de Blasio in a position where she said, you you know, you owe me this. And he has to think about his city like there's like, I mean, it's a very real thing in terms of what the state threatens against the city. And I don't think Cynthia would have ever been comfortable saying, I need you to do this for me. You know, I, and especially. But not, would it have helped? Uh, 
I think it, yeah, maybe. I mean, he is. He, there's a lot of um, support in the community for for him, and that it would have been helpful, definitely, in New York City. Um, but it also would have turned the race into being about Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo. And we spent the first month of our campaign trying very hard not to make this about Bill de Blasio. This race was about Andrew Cuomo and, and what he did or did not do for the people of New York. And that's what we wanted to focus on. So what do you think the race accomplished? There's been a lot of talk about that from election night on. Um, how little, do you assist it? Okay, there's a little thing I like to call the Cynthia effect. And um, I believe that this race um, didn't just push Andrew Cuomo to the left. I think it, it made a lot of Democrats, both here in the state and nationwide, think about their positions a little bit more. I'm so proud of the work we did around um, marijuana legalization, just in terms of talking about it as a, a criminal justice issue. Um, I think really made a long-lasting um, impact. Um, but there's everything from, you know, talking about plastic bags and, you know, climate to, to, to house. I mean, there's across the board, I think we push and push and push to the left. And I think it's something that a lot of Democratic incumbents will think about going forward, about what their constituents actually want, not just what Andrew Cuomo wants. And how did that work exactly? Because if your path to victory was so narrow mm-hmm. and the public polls were maybe wrong, but mm-hmm. obviously didn't indicate that he was in any real danger, maybe his internals showed something different, mm-hmm. but the results suggested I would it say, wasn't I would say his far. internals probably showed tightening. Tightening, <laughs> but probably not tight, right? Right. So why, why would he have felt the pressure to move left because of Cynthia as opposed to just that that's kind of where the needle for the Democratic Party nationally is right. moving? Well, I don't think Andrew Cuomo ever cared about where the needle was moving. I think it turned out like what was happening with him. Remember a year ago, he called marijuana a gateway drug. Cynthia Cynthia called for legalization, got millions of views on her video. It became like a huge national topic. And then very next day, he said the facts have changed. The only thing that changed between with one day is Cynthia calling for it to be legal. So, I mean, I don't, I think he felt the political pressure and I think he's still going to feel it. I think that the the progressive base, you look at these IDC challengers who won, um, the progressive base is activated and, and we really believe that we accomplished people actually knowing what happens on a state level, which before six months ago, I don't think people really understood what was going on in Albany. So we're in our last couple minutes here with Rebecca Katz, who um, was the top strategist on the Cynthia Nixon for governor campaign. So moving forward, you know, we're talking about it as if this campaign is completely over. (laughs) Is the campaign completely over? What's she going to do about the Working Families Party line? Is she going to endorse Governor Cuomo? Where where are we heading here? Those are all very good questions. Thank you. Um, They are not yet... uh, I'm thinking. Um, so I think for the... What do you want to divulge? <laughs> not much. I don't want to divulge much. There will be some answers and they will be coming soon. How's that? <laughs> She's indicated the only time she seemed to, I think, really answer this question was when she was faced with the question of Cuomo or Molinaro, mm-hmm. the Republican nominee who we spoke with um, earlier. And the... Question, the answer she gave was, yes, Andrew Cuomo would be, he's, he's a bad Democrat, but he's still preferable yeah. to the Republican. He's still a Democrat. Like, even a bad Democrat is still a Democrat, and Andrew and Mark Molinaro is a Republican. And I don't think it's, you know, just because Mark Molinaro is now making some of the arguments that we made about corruption in state government 
and his inefficient and Andrew Cuomo's inefficiency to run the subway doesn't mean that she, in, you know, supports Mark Molinaro. Cynthia Nixon is a Democrat. She's always been a Democrat. She will continue to be a Democrat. Okay. So I don't expect you to tell us if she's <laughs> considering running for mayor uh, or if she's even thought about that. But from the, a the election for for governor was not even a week away. I know. I'm just I know. Like, so many on. Trump we cycles. Got a lot of shows you know, there's been ten Trump cycles since then. From as a strategist and a student uh-huh. of politics, do you think that she would be a viable candidate for mayor, based on what you've seen in this campaign? You know, it's funny because as a strategist, I see a viable camp, uh, a viable candidacy for her. But as someone who is protective of her, I don't even want those rumors to start right now because I mean, she literally it hasn't even been a week. But I do, I do think she tapped into something, um, and that people were really excited, especially young people. You know, and every four years or every, you know, like everybody gets a little bit older, so you get your supporters grow and you get more. And if only high school students could have voted this cycle, I feel like we would, you would have had a lot more votes. So, you know, I I do think that she's a lot of strong support and and we'll see what she decides to do with that. Mayor or not mayor, do you expect her to be a voice in politics? I mean, she obviously already was a bit mm-hmm. with her activism and then of course the de Blasio support, but it was, you know, on and off and do you do you expect her in 2019 even to be part of the discussion or is she I, sort of I 100% believe she will be part of the discussion and that she will be someone who will use um, her voice for good so last question we've talked a little bit about how scary Cuomo's power uh, can be and why some people you know didn't want to step into this race mm-hmm. for you as a person who does politics professionally will there be consequences for you having worked for someone who probably pissed some people off yes I, I believe he will come after me and my firm what does that look like? Um, we shall see. I, I can't wait to be audited. That'll be fun. Um, but I think I think it is real, and I think there's a reason that many other strategists in town didn't want anything to do with his race. It wasn't about Cynthia. It was always about Andrew Cuomo. Well, on that note, <laughs> yes. Rebecca Katz, the uh, chief strategist for Cynthia Nixon for governor, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.